Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. One of these days, maybe in our lifetimes, it is possible we will see the abolition of abortion. The history books of our future will write about the generational trauma, the breaking down of families, and the destruction of basic morality. How did it come to an end? But for now, we're still in that historic era. What do we do? We can't just sit back and do nothing and think this too shall pass. We need to stand. The Ministry of Preborn stands every day for the helpless among us by providing free ultrasounds and postnatal help for up to two years. They are helping move the needle tremendously. When an expecting mom hears the baby's heartbeat for the first time, the chances that she will choose life for that baby double, and you can be a part of that. One ultrasound is $28. $28 to double the chances of saving that baby's life. Hit pound 250, say the keyword baby and make a $28 donation, will you? Keyword baby, pound 250, or you can go to preborn.com slash Glenn. That's preborn.com slash Glenn. Preborn is our sponsor. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you were Devin Archer today, how would you be feeling? Devin Archer is the former partner of the Bidens, Joe and Hunter Biden. He is the main partner that knows all about the books, was at all of the meetings knows that uh, Joe was indeed a full partner in this. He has to testify. The DOJ, there was a big kerfuffle. I think that it's not what all of the conservatives think it is. But imagine, after seeing what happened uh, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein, which, of course, was just he hung himself. Imagine giving testimony today and then knowing that you're going to prison maybe as early as Wednesday, what would you do? We start there in 60 seconds. First, you sick, twisted freak. Let me tell you about Relief Factor. Connie lives in Nevada, and she's had some bad news a while ago. She was told that nothing could be done for the back and hip pain that's been plaguing her for a while now. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and then she saw an ad on TV for Relief Factor. She wasn't really hopeful, but she thought, what else do I have to lose? So she ordered the quick start. She says it literally started working within two days. The pain began to subside. 
Obviously, she kept going with Relief Factor. These days, she reports she has no pain. She goes to bed pain-free every night, wakes up the next morning still pain-free. Connie got her life back. Could you? Try the three-week quick starts, 1995. It doesn't work for everybody, but if it works for you, it's the best 1995 you've ever spent. It's a trial pack, not a drug, developed by doctors, and hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and 70% of them go on to order more. ReliefFactor.com, 800, the number 4, Relief, 800-4-RELIEF, ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com, 800, the number 4, Relief. Feel the difference. Well, welcome back to Stu. I'm glad to see that you have most of it cleared up, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And I'm glad uh, we don't have to go into what you were doing last week in the court and all of the details. But, what? Uh, hi, Stu. Hey, Glenn. How's it How going? Doing? That was good a to busy have week. you back. Good yeah, to have you back. It. Yeah, I bet it, bet it was. Now, let me, let me go right into uh, Devin Archer. Have you been following this at all? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, or, what, you know, yeah, uh, you, you, while I was, I had other things okay. going on last week, and it was tough to keep up with all yeah. the news developments. So, not sure, as much as I would have sure, liked. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, in that cell, it has. Um, well, I don't know about the Wi-Fi situation. Anyway, um, in the uh, the Biden's family foreign business empire, uh, uh, Devin Archer is ground zero. Devin Archer is the guy who knows where all the bodies are buried. Perhaps literally. I, we're not <laughs> sure at this point. Um, however, he was supposed to testify last week. He's been talking to the committee in Washington. He is not a friendly witness but he's not exactly hostile either he says he's just going to tell the truth i have no idea what he is going to say but apparently the committee knows at least his opening statement and there are some things that he is going to say apparently uh that will not go well for the bidens again he knows everything that was going on now if i were hunter biden uh, I would think to myself, hmm, I know I'm not suicidal, but I could be committing suicide by the end of this week. He says his family has been threatened. Um, it is really, I mean, we are in the place to where who do you trust to keep you safe? Oh, don't worry. The federal government will keep you safe. We'll keep you safe. All right. Uh, no, no, thank you. Who keeps you safe at this point? So who knows what he's going to say? But here are the questions that can be uh, asked. Why did Burisma hire Hunter Biden in April 2014 on the eve of his father's vice presidency? Uh, his dad makes his first major visit to Ukraine. What did Archer believe the firm wanted from Hunter Biden being on its board and working as one of its lawyers? It's a really good question to ask about the hiring of a crack and hooker addict. I mean, I think that's fair. He'll know. What did Joe Biden know about Hunter's business dealings in China, Ukraine, Romania, and Russia? Apparently, there were several parties, apparently several board meetings uh, that, that uh, Devin Archer knows happened and was there for those meetings 
Why did Joe Biden phone in to some of the Burisma board meetings and specifically phone in to the December 2015 meeting in Dubai when the firm was panicked that Shokin, the Ukrainian prosecutor, was escalating his probe of the Ukrainian firm? That one is really important. I have no idea of my son's business dealings, but I happened to call in to a Burisma board meeting what to say hi hey i hate to interrupt your board meeting son i just want to know how are you are you okay is everything all right are you you know still making it with the hookers do you need more money well what, what was that conversation it's like one of those it old, wasn't about the business dealings those old school party lines glenn you remember you could just call in and you wouldn't know necessarily who was on it was just yeah. a bunch of people and sometimes right. it's the barisma board meeting you don't thank know thank you you know Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, why did the Chinese approach Hunter Biden and Devin Archer in 2013 uh, to form a joint investment firm? And what did the Chinese say they wanted out of the relationship? I mean, this one is important. The, 2013, they formed this new investment house. And immediately the Chinese are like, we are look, where are we going to put all this money? We have so much money. We need somebody who's on the cutting edge of investing. Somebody who has a really good track record. Oh, I know. Uh, how about uh, uh, how about the Goldman Sachs? No, 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 no. There, no. We need somebody new. Hey, how about a uh, crack addict and his friend who have no experience at all? There's a good idea. Let's give them more access to our market than anyone, including Bank of America, Citibank, and all the others. Let's give them more access and more money than anyone else in the world. Does that make sense to you? Uh, what did uh, uh, Batrina, once the richest female oligarch and the wife of the former Moscow mayor, reach out to firms associated with Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and other business partners back in 2013 and 14. And what did she get out of the relationship? Was Joe Biden ever promised or sent any money from his son's overseas business partners, or did Hunter ever confide that he paid bills and expenses for his dad? Did Hunter have any role in the tribal bond scheme, or did he derive any direct or indirect financial benefits for the companies involved in it? Now, this one is important because Devin has said the Bidens threw him under the bus. This is why he's going to jail. He was ripping off an Indian tribe. Is there anything more politically incorrect today? Something that you'd, you'd know Gosh, if I get caught, this would be a big, huge scandal. I mean, it's like stealing money from orphanages. Uh, so he's stealing money from, and this is what he was convicted of, a bond scheme. However, the speculation is, is that Hunter was involved in that too, and it's a giant cover-up. We may find out today. Did Hunter Biden have a strategy of targeting full foreign oligarchs with legal troubles? That's the uh, that's the last question that should be asked today with Devin Archer. If now he is canceled several times and rescheduled. However, they were pushing. They it was really it was quite interesting uh, what they sent. They sent a letter on Saturday, which the Justice Department, it is my understanding, 
never does. Uh, they sent a um, uh, they sent a letter that said, hey, I just want to remind you, uh, he should be in jail. Now, people are reporting this as the DOJ was saying that they want him in jail before Monday. The DOJ has said that is not the truth. So on Sunday, they did something even uh, less familiar from the DOJ. They wrote a letter to the judge, a follow-up letter to Ronnie Abrams. This is the United States District Judge, Southern District of New York. The government writes to follow up on its letter dated yesterday, apprising the court of the Second Circuit's mandate affirming the judgment of conviction in this matter. The government understands that the defendant is scheduled to provide testimony to Congress tomorrow. To be clear, the government does not request and has never requested that the defendant surrender before his congressional testimony. As the court knows, to surrender and uh, commence his sentence of imprisonment, the defendant must be... uh, Uh, must be designated to a federal facility by the Bureau of Prisons, a process that can take several weeks or months. Nonetheless, for the avoidance of all doubt, the government requests that any surrender date, should the court order one, be scheduled to occur after the defendant's congressional testimony is completed. Now, several speculations on why they did this. Why would they go into the office on a Saturday and write a letter that they don't usually write. It can't be a computer glitch. It can't be, you know, anything. you could say, well, we were super busy. And, uh, you know, we're just burning the midnight oil. We got these guys here in the DOJ that just won't sleep until justice is served. And does anybody believe that? It's the government. Why didn't they just send it today? Don't know. Then they come out and they say, oh, no, no, no. I want you to know that's not what that letter meant at all. Okay, so everybody was speculating that that's what that letter was about. Then the next day they come out and somebody had to go into the office again and write another letter that never happens on a weekend. Here's what I think they were doing. I think they were reminding American Devin Archer is going to prison. I think this was a discrediting thing that they were doing. So everyone could talk about Devin Archer as a guy who is going to prison. How many times do you trust a guy going to prison? And is he just testifying because he wants his sentence lightened or anything like that? That, I think, is as far as the conspiracy on this may go. Uh, I think it was, it's just, does this sound reasonable to you, Stu? I think it's just to get them to say, to have everybody in America put him in the right frame. And that is convicted criminal, right? They have to give cover to the media to be able to dismiss everything that comes out of this. Right. And to look good on the right side, like, cause they'll say, and conservatives over the weekend said they didn't want him to testify. And that's why he was thrown to jail. But that was nonsense. In fact, the justice department had to come out and tell these crazy conservatives that that's not what was happening. And as it turns out, you know, his testimony was either really bad, but let's remember he's going to prison for this. Maybe he's looking to suck up or It wasn't as bad as everyone said, and the Justice Department knew that, and they weren't trying to to, uh, uh, 
bring him into prison. They were very clear that they said, you know, it'll take months. Yeah, we just tr- happen to issue this letter. Trying to cover themselves on, on no matter which way this goes. And, of course, the pressures are still there, right? Like, they still want him to do, quote, unquote, the right thing in their view, which is to protect. Uh, whether that's still a legitimate possibility at this point, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like Correct. it's gone down that. It, there's too much evidence. There's too much coming out here. But that's basically their goal here is to still try to... Uh, mani- manipulate the levers of power however they can to to stop all of this well uh you know he's he has been apparently he and his family have received serious death threats he has said several times that he is concerned about the safety of himself and his family you have a skeptical look on your face why i <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh that these things are very very important and uh you know uh, they they always this is always the excuse right there's always something like this that is bubbling under there's always pressures from the evil outside uh, that are always conservatives I mean, these things don't typically ever come to pass but we always hear about oh them. i don't think really you think that because i've not read that it's conservatives no. i haven't read who which side it's coming from <laughs> right. but uh i i gotta believe i mean if i'm going to jail and I'm testifying against the president and the first son. And I know that, uh, you know, somebody else that had the goods on powerful people just hung themselves strangely and cameras stopped working. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be very concerned. I would worry about my life and my family's life as well. Oh, I'm sure in reality that's what's happening. I'm, the reason it's being reported, though, is is usually the opposite of reality. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, w- I would certainly be scared. In this in this scenario, with all of this that's going on, if what we believe is true, right? And it, man, there's so much evidence now at this point. There's so much smoke that it's hard to, you know, dismiss. This is the type of stuff that, you know, you see happen. This is, you know, this fuels movies. Right? Movie stuff. This is the stuff yeah, that you see, is. you know, this is House of Cards stuff at this point. And, yeah, and, and the House is. of Cards is a good analogy because it, it does feel like we're a couple of cards breaking down from the whole thing collapsing. Mm-hmm. Back in just a minute. First, let me tell you about Legacy Box. Uh, magnetic tape. Uh, we used to use magnetic tape in radio, and the last time I saw tape edited was when I hired Stu, and I was the one trying to teach him how to edit tape, and he looked at me and said, why would I ever do it this way? And I was like, what do you mean? And he opened up the computer, and he edited something about half the time, and I said, okay, you're good. Let's go. <laughs> um <laughs> edited uh, tape is only uh, really made to last about 10 to 20 years and it becomes so hardened that the plastic that everything is on remains but then everything flakes off of that especially if it's not stored away the right way digitizing your old media with legacy box stops the fading process and the destruction of all of those recordings and you can save them forever for a limited time legacy box is running a nine dollar videotape sale nine dollars it's usually like 30 at this special price there's never been a better time to convert your entire collection legacy box is the safest and easiest way to preserve your past which is why it's been trusted by over a million families they are as soon as i send it in they are going to be uh, taking my entire lifetime archives and uh and documenting them and making sure that they're all preserved uh, that is a huge, 
huge job and the only person i would trust to do it is legacy box don't let this summer's heat age your videotapes and your film reels and fade your photos legacybox.com slash back shop their nine dollar tape sale it's huge savings legacybox.com slash back unlock this exclusive offer now legacybox.com slash back 10 seconds station id Okay, there's a couple of other things. Um, the Secret Service has refused to turn over the list of individuals who may have accessed the area of the White House where that cocaine was found on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, it was just the white and the red was the, you know, was the blood on his face after doing all so much white. And the blue was just the cops that were turning their back. That's I mean, that's all that was. That's all that was. So uh, a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act, uh, went out, and apparently the Department of Homeland Security said, yeah, well, these are presidential records, and uh, they have exclusive legal custody and control of the White House. Okay, that's not what the FOIA asked for. The FOIA asked for the list from the Secret Service, which is not protected by the White House. So there is a list of everybody that comes in and you are frisked. Dogs are there. They blow, you know, air at your face. They test you six ways to Sunday. You have to empty all of your pockets. And if you go into this special section, you not only get that, but you have to empty your pockets and put everything in a little cubby. Well, there are Secret Service people everywhere now. The White House has records, and that's protected against the Freedom of Information Act. However, if you're a the Secret Service and you said, I need to see that list so we know who we need to contact, who was in this room, they made a list of the people that were on the list that needed to be interviewed. If they didn't make that list, that shows they didn't really investigate they did nothing so they were asking for the secret service list of who was in and who did you talk to secret service i don't my what lit list what and the white house is saying no 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 our, you want our list of who walked in and that's protected no that's not what they're asking for why won't they produce the list why it is not protected under the presidential records act why will the secret service not provide a list more garbage from the doj homeland security the fbi and now secret service more in a minute the glenn back program Let me tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. What are you doing today to reach out to your community and, and help people? Let me tell you a little bit about Aaron. He partners with an organization that provides on-the-job skills to people entering the workforce. Another organization that helps homeless people with the basic needs to get back on their feet. He's even personally donating, putting his money where his mouth is, putting his time where his money is. 
On top of that, Aaron and his family are very active in their church. He helps out with greeting and ushering and scripture reading and retreats. With all of that on his place, he still has time to be one of the top best-selling real estate agents in his region. I think it's because of all those things. That's why he is one of the top best-selling real estate agents in his reasons. There are many reasons why I'm glad that my company, Real Estate Agents I Trust, partners with Aaron and the people just like him. I want you to work with the best of the best. You need a real estate agent? Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Glenn's new book, Dark Future, available now. Use the code Glenn and save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV as well at blazetv.com slash Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're glad you're listening. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, when you raise kids, you just, you don't ever know. And you don't know where they're going to go. And you just hope to God that they don't, you know, watch, you know, a show about crack dealing. And all of a sudden go, you know, I think I'm going to be, I could be a better crack dealer than that guy. <laughs> You just hope that something good happens and uh, and you don't ever want to stomp on their dreams. And I say this because my folks, they always said to me, yeah, you know that that business doesn't pay very well. And I'm like, I, I know. And you have to be uber successful to be able to even eat. I know. But if that's what you want to do, we recommend that you have some fallback but, uh, you know, if that's what you want to pursue, we're here to help you. And so I've done that with my son. Uh, and he's now, I mean, my son is now a coach of a college football team. And I'm like, how did that happen? How did that happen? And his mom and I, we wanted to say all the time, not a chance, dude, not a chance. I mean, not a chance you didn't know how this game was even played four years ago and everybody who wants to be in football especially in texas they start when they're two and uh uh not a chance well now he's coaching college level football and it's crazy absolutely crazy this weekend uh my daughter was in a broadway boot camp and i have been begging people that I know in the industry, please watch this and tell me she doesn't happen. She doesn't have it, that she's mediocre or anything, please. I do not. And they all laugh, boy, you do not want her to go into Hollywood. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want her in Broadway. I don't want her in Hollywood. No. And uh, my only hope has been that maybe my name would destroy her chance of being, you know, in, in on Broadway. And uh, so, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, so a, it's a unique form of parenting you're doing there, Glenn. I don't know how is, to describe it. Is, it exactly. it it's is. not in any book that I've read. I know. <laughs> Believe me, I have wanted to stand up in auditions and things like that and say, just a reminder, she's my, that one. That's my daughter. <laughs> but I don't. And so this weekend we went to a Broadway boot camp and it was Les Miserables and she played Madame, uh, uh, what is it, Thornier, Th Th Thenardier. 
which is a very difficult role to play and it's all character and she walked on stage and she had told me that's the role she wanted when she was trying out she told me she said dad i am going to push this and i said go for it lucy and because i've always called her lucy because she's she's since a kid she's been lucille ball she is hysterical and uh, i said go for it lucy and she did and i sat there and i looked at my wife and i said oh we have to surrender she clearly has it so now what do we do to help her she's got two years before she goes out onto the open market and i don't want her to go to colleges and art colleges and theater i don't want i just don't want her there and i'm like where do you go what do we do we have a friend who whose daughter was so talented musically and she's now in nashville making music we've had two friends that have done this and their family moved to nashville to be able to do it and i'm like but i don't want we're not moving to la we're not moving to new york i don't want her there but there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to go we saw a show uh this weekend because we're up in idaho and so we went down to watch her at this boot camp and then we went to a show on saturday night um at a place called the hale theater this is a community theater that has for four or five generations said we're not going to put crap on the on the stage and when by crap i mean there's no swearing there's no there's no sex and they have started to buy broadway shows you know you have to pay royalties for that and you have to do them word for word otherwise you're in violation of the contract you do not change what the playwright wrote well they get playwrights to change it to allow them to remove all the swearing and everything else they have a 2000 seat theater i think they do as many as 22 shows a week they sell more tickets 94 percent sold out year round uh and about 700,000 tickets a year it is incredible and we watch that and we're like this is a community theater this is better than broadway this is, this is crazy and you know my wife looks at me and i said don't look at me i'm not thinking that and she's like well i'm not thinking that either and i'm like good well we can't think that we don't want to think that which is you know move to salt lake city last place i'd want to live i think it's turning into babylon myself um <laughs> it seems like it's but i don't know nice when i've been there <laughs> is it that rough is it, is it turned into the rough and tumble streets? salt lake is really going dark salt lake is really going dark it, it, you know, it, when I moved there in the 80s, uh, I remember it was really, really good people. And then the people who lived there were so anti the religion because it was so predominant then that it, they just went the other way just to make a statement. We're not anything like you. Mm -hmm. And I think that caught hold. And it's uh, it's got some real issues, real issues uh and it will be destroyed but anyway um uh i uh i, I just don't want to so i you know now i talking to my wife and i'm like maybe we start maybe we start an acting school and i don't know hire really good actors 
you know, like Caviezel or somebody like that, that is good at teaching. I don't know if he's good at teaching, but find some actors that are really good. They don't have to agree with our politics. They just can't be Marxist, socialist, crazy, you know, tree hugging. Uh, I don't know. Deers. Oh, I'm a deer. No, I'm a bunny rabbit. None of that crap. None of that crap. Because we have to, as an industry, we have to start picking from the tree and not from the barrel. Right now, as an industry, we get the rejects or the people who are so successful that, you know, they've got an Academy Award and they're like, I don't care. They're not going to destroy me. Um, we have to not have our throw our kids into the lions because I am I'm terrified. My daughter has it, and I don't want her anywhere around it. She'll, she'll lose her soul, I'm convinced. And I'm not going to stop her from doing it, but there's got to be another way. Got to be another way. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing that with universities now, right? We're, we're seeing a bunch of these startups that are not necessarily conservative universities. Some of them are outward, outwardly conservative. Some of them are just like, hey, we're going to not be completely insane. We're just going to uh, get rid of... All of the craziness that has, you know, penetrated the universities and made them worthless. I mean, uh, the big names mm-hmm. that we've been looking at for all of these years as the the center of of intellectual thought are have been completely destroyed, completely destroyed. And people are now stepping up, and the the, the sane ones that were left from that world are stepping outside of it and starting new things. And I don't know, maybe that's I, it's interesting you bring that up because it's uh, it's very central to what you like and and you know love and is you know, I've always been someone who's really loved the arts um but also something you have you know some influence in and and is consistent with what you actually believe it's kind of an interesting idea yeah especially now that angel studios is getting yeah so much mm. to be able to have the pipeline to angel studios you know what i mean look you have talent you want to really learn it and you want to have uh, at least a door open to those kind of directors that are filming or doing stage productions, you can, you can get the fast track over here. You still have to be good. But if you have those morals and you're trying to stay on those morals, we'll teach you. Then you have to have the, it's a merit-based system, and you go to you know Angel Studios or whoever. I don't know. I haven't talked to Angel or anybody else about this. Why would I do that? I should just instead just talk about it on the air. <laughs> That's a smart thing to do. What an idiot. Jeez. So uh, you got into the Radio Hall of Fame right there. You're just uh, blurting it out it is. ideas you haven't right. really thought all the way through uh, to, you know. I have thought people. about this, though, for I've thought about this for at least a decade when she started sniffing around. And I'm like, oh, no. And I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and hoping somebody would do it. But I don't think anybody's doing it. You know, you think about sending your kids to college. Now think about sending your kids to a theater based college or a film college. Right. That's a death sentence. That's a death sentence. There's no chance they get out of there as themselves. Another idea is, um, have you heard of the movie The Village? Um, it, it has, I think there's some real yes, possibilities. My wife is for... making, my wife is making the costumes uh, for that, uh, uh. for that 
park we're <laughs> suggesting that we all it's a living role mm. that you play <laughs> really I mean, the Amish may have had it right honey <laughs> yeah. this is he can't yeah. get out of character it's, now it's, it's method acting sweetheart <laughs> you have to live like the Amish for maybe the rest of your life but man you are gonna know them inside and out so when they remake that Harrison Ford witness thing you're there you're there all right um here's our sponsor this this half hour our sponsor uh is lifelock there's a report out from hca the healthcare which came out recently stating they had a data breach hmm. just made your healthcare information of 11 million people available for the grabbing online if you weren't one of them good for you but uh what about the next breach the dark web just introduced uh, a new uh, chat GPT kind of thing that just searches for people's information and uh, it's a super AI that'll be it'll be great for thieves. Congratulations on that. Everything is changing in our world. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BACK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BACK for 25% off. It's LifeLock.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. There are a couple things that we're going to be talking about uh, next hour that you don't want to miss. And we we talk about it in the book, Dark Future. But there's a couple of things that you need to be aware of. Um, it is called degrowth. And it is happening everywhere. These companies are starting to collapse themselves intentionally. And it's going to happen to everything. I, I want you to listen to this for, from John Kerry, our climate czar. And he is speaking at the Agricultural Innovation Mission for Climate Summit. Now, listen to what he says in this clip. John Kerry. Agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And... We can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. But with a growing population on the planet, we just crossed the threshold of 8 billion fellow citizens around the world. We just crossed that in this last year. Emissions from the food system alone are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. A two-degree future could result in an additional 600 million people not getting enough to eat. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Wow. How many okay. times? How many times so can they go I down this think, road? Hmm. I know. I think 
what they're saying here is we have to destroy our food manufacturing system to save our food manufacturing system. This is one of the most Malthusian uh, things I've I've ever heard. They're going to mess with the food system from seed to fork. If you don't if you don't think that they will do this, you're living in a dream world. You're living in a dream world. You know, what what was going to have uh, this uh, credit score? I don't mind if I if I have a bad uh, uh, social score. I have nothing to hide. Really? Let me play the audio here. Cut 12. Play the audio of the social credit score when uh, what your phone does when someone calls you that is behind in their bills. Listen to this. Okay, so let's say Stu hasn't been keeping up with his bills and is in too much debt, according to the state. Well, with all the legal trouble, what happens? Yeah, yeah. What happens is your 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 phone goes off as a siren, and it says this person is having financial problems. Your credit score will be affected if you talk to them. But if you do talk to them, tell them they need to get their finances in order. Oh, my gosh. You, you want that? This is what a social credit score is. Do you want that? Because it's coming here and to the entire West. You know, people think I'm crazy for saying, yeah, they're going to restrict travel. Oh, no, no, no. No, you don't listen to me on saying that. You know, read the book or let me show you what just was released this weekend about travel. Yeah, the time of going on vacations, the way we think about vacations, that time is over. That's a quote. More next. Uno is sitting down here by my feet just in front of the broadcast desk, and he was the pickiest dog uh for eating uh, you could possibly imagine uh eh, just a little bit more um but anyway so picky so picky and he would uh not eat his food and so we got him rough greens and now he eats and eats and eats and he loves his food he gobbles it down and it's because i think it tastes good to him but also his, his whole life has changed. Now with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, you name it. If it's healthy for your dog, it's probably in Rough Greens. Most dogs love it and will go crazy for it. Uno went from the beginning of pickiest eater to now wolfing down his food. And he's a lot better off because of it. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLENN33. It's 833-GLEN33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. CNN, uh, the propaganda machine that it is, I think with along uh, with the WEF, the World Economic Forum, just uh, verified one of the things that we write about in uh, Dark Future is absolutely true. Vacations, you're not going anywhere soon. You're not going anywhere. There are two stories that have come out about vacations as we know it are a thing of the past, and they have to be. We'll show you the cage that is being built for you right now. And if you don't wake up, if our friends and neighbors don't wake up, they'll be looking at us from inside that cage. We begin there in 60 seconds. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing mankind that he didn't exist. I mean, think about this. Think about the satanic temple right now saying, oh, come on, Satan's not real. They, you do satanic rituals. Yeah, or not seriously. Oh, okay. All right, then we should stop looking there. That's insane. The second greatest was convincing people that a child isn't a child, meaning a fetus isn't a human being. How else could it be the case that so many women are choosing to end their baby's lives with abortion and abortion pills and abortion clinics? Well, there's another lie. You're not worthy. You're not capable. You won't be able to do it. Uh, It'll get in the way of what you want. Well, Preborn is trying to change all of that by showing an expecting mom the ultrasound of her baby. They double the chances that she'll choose life because they get rid of one lie, and that is it's not a baby. That doubles. Then when... When preborn, the ministry comes in and says, look, we are going to help you take care of the baby for the first two years. We're going to help you with clothing, with food and everything else. Then the second lie is taken away that you just won't be able to make it. Will you help? $28 buys an ultrasound. And if you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network nationwide for 24 hours. That will help rescue 200 babies. To donate, dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com slash Beck. Sponsored by Preborn. All right. Last hour, I was um, 
sharing with you a, pe- a couple of pieces of audio, and I want you to hear them again. For anybody who says credit scores, social credit scores, they're not going to happen here in America, and they're not so bad. I have nothing to hide. Let me show you how they are being used. This is if you get a phone call from an undesirable caller, somebody who has a low social credit score, for instance, in this case, owes more money than the state thinks they should owe. Instead of getting a phone, just a regular ring, and you look down and you see the name, this is what happens to your phone in China. Listen. Now, this is an undesirable caller. The caller has a social lower social credit score than yours. Also, just maybe somebody who owes debt. If you take the call, you risk getting a lower social score. If you do take the call, you're told to tell that person you got to change your score. Okay. That's what's happening in China. Now, think of the effect that that would have on chilling conversations. Then I played last hour a piece of audio from John Kerry. I need you to understand the WEF is working on social justice and social control, social credit scores through ESG. That comes from the World Economic Forum. You just heard that play out in China. They're also looking for a net zero world. And to get there, we have to completely change their words, not mine, our entire food system from seed to fork. Wow. And we have to do that by 2030. Hurry. What could possibly go wrong uh, from a, an entire food industry throwing out everything that it has taken millennia to learn, throwing it out, giving it to a bunch of governmental eggheads, and they take it from the planting of the seed to fork. Here's what John Kerry the representative from the United States of America uh, said at the Agricultural Innovation Mission for Climate Summit. Listen. Agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center is part of the solution. But with a growing population on the planet, we just crossed the threshold of 8 billion fellow citizens around the world. We just crossed that in this last year. Emissions from the food system alone are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. A two degree future could result in an additional 600 million people not getting enough to eat. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Hmm. Hmm. So, boy, that sounds dark, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds like maybe we should get rid of people, too. 
And if we just starve a few people to death, will it be that bad? It's for Mother Earth. Now, they're not saying they're going to starve people to death. I'm saying their incompetence will starve people to death. I'm also saying that uh, we're starting to see a lot of information come out now about what they did and didn't know about the virus and the vaccine. Are you that concerned? Really? Are you that concerned about killing that many people? I mean, you know, the climate is at stake. And if we could just, as Kamala Harris has said, reduce the population, that would be much easier. So we're going to control people by controlling what they eat and how much they can get. We're going to control people through their social justice credit scores. And also, if we can control the money, we'll be better off as well. Here is the latest from the WEF on a CBDC. Now, I want you to know what a CBDC is. That is a central bank. So that's the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England. A central bank digital currency. It is completely unlike Bitcoin. Bitcoin and everything like Bitcoin is not controlled centrally. It has no ability to turn on and off. A central bank digital currency does. This is from the WEF in their meeting about the benefits of digital money. Listen. And the one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better and yeah, some people might see it or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful in terms of the use of a CBDC. <laughs> so whatever it deems uh, undesirable. OK, so now let's see what we have here. We have a climate emergency. We had uh, Blinken come out this weekend and say our climate emergency is just as bad as a full out nuclear war. Hmm. OK, so climate emergency is just the same. We have a government that is trying to control people, how they think, how they feel, where they move. Uh, what they buy, all of these things to change the social structure. We also have ESG changing the small business relationship with big business and big banks and small banks. We have a system being built unlike anything the world or America has ever seen. So now when you see something like this story from CNN, Vacations as we know it are over. It might take on a little more telling view if you know the things I just told you. And I'm going to share this story with you in 60 seconds. Stand by. 
first. If you own a dog, you haven't uh, you haven't you know watched him or her experience the joy of rough greens yet. What are you waiting for? It tastes great. At least that's what the dogs tell me. And I speak dog. By the way, did you see that Japanese guy who always wanted to be a collie and spent fifteen thousand dollars on a collie outfit so somebody can walk him around the park? Oh my gosh, it's just sick. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, I hope the zipper gets stuck. Anyway. Um, Rough Greens is extraordinarily good for them. It has all of the things that they need, probiotics, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, you name it. If it's healthy for your dog, it's most likely in Rough Greens. And the folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it, they have a special deal for you. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, roughgreens.com slash Beck, or call them at 833-GLEN-33. That's 833-GLEN-33. Give your first trial bag for free. All you pay for is shipping, 833 833- Three Glen thirty three roughgreens.com eight three three G L E N N thirty three ten second station ID So let me give you two stories that came out this weekend. You can read all about this in my new book, Dark Future. But two new stories have broken this weekend. One, a new study, this is from CNN, a new study published earlier this week that showed that both the European and North American heat waves would have been all but impossible with climate change. Stu, you're a climate change guy. Uh, All but impossible? What does that mean? All but impossible. All but impossible without climate change? Or you said with climate change? Uh, without climate change okay we couldn't have had these temperatures without climate change that's the that's the new study the plague of heat and fires that our world is experiencing today is one of consequence of a 1.2 degree celsius hike in the global average temperature compared to pre-industrial times a two degree celsius rise which we are currently on target for exceed by the end of the century would see the average number of heat wave days increase sixfold across southern Europe, so that one in 100 year heat waves could happen every other year, even northern Europe, blah, blah, blah. The reality is that ongoing heat waves and wildfires provide us with glimpses of worse to come. All right. So what is this story all about? I thought it was about vacations. No, first, we're setting the stage. It's Horrible and extreme weather is now endangering much of the world. The events of last week in the Greek island should then give us pause for thought, not only about the uh, weather we should any longer be flying on holiday to places that may threaten us and our loved ones, but the whole point of having a holiday. For many of us, jetting off every year to a foreign break has almost become instinctive, just something we do without really thinking about it. If Southern Europe is out of bounds due to increasing heat, then the tendency for us, many, will find somewhere else that looks or on the face of it at least less risky but this isn't the answer climate breakdown is now set to become all pervasive and affect every aspect of our lives and livelihoods and already extreme weather can happen pretty much anywhere so what do you do well we can't go on it can't go on nor should it both for the peace of mind holiday makers increasingly worried about growing growing extreme weather or for the good of the planet 
Holidays abroad need to be decoupled from flying. Vacations need to return to their roots or at least move in that direction. In particular, holidays abroad need to be decoupled from flying, which means as far as Europe is concerned, train, car or coach. There are issues, of course, just published Greenpeace analysis revealed that traveling by train around Europe is on average four times more expensive than flying. Traveling by road takes longer and is likely to involve hours of frustrating queuing at ports. But on the plus side, if the journey itself becomes part of the holiday, airport scrums and delays are avoided. And most importantly, for the climate, carbon emissions are massively reduced. So I wrote in the book about how flying will become a thing of the past. I told you just a few weeks ago that airports are being reduced in England already. Not the private ones, just the ones that you would fly into and I would fly into. Now, let me give you another story from England. Want to jet off to Italy, Spain or France? Starting in 2024, that's next January, all travelers going to European Union countries will not only have to book their flight and hotel and bring their passport, but they also must fill out an online application before traveling on their trip. The online application requires authorization and to pay a fee through the European Travel Information and Authorization System. The system is expected to be operational in 2024. Travelers will be required to fill out personal information, including date, place of birth, home address, parents' names, phone number, email, nationality, education, occupation, planned travel destinations, and criminal history. Niall Gardner, former aide to the British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, said this is Orwellian. I see this as a big government overreach here. It's quite Orwellian with the amount of information that the EU officials are requesting. Most applications are expected to clear in just a few minutes, but some applications could take four days and possibly up to 30 days to process. Once approved, your authorization is valid for three years. U.S. travelers that wish to travel through a European Union will have to go through this application process. It is intensely bureaucratic. So what is this really about? Is this truly about... What, safety? Is that what they're saying? This is going to provide safety? Wait, to a country or a group of countries that just open up their borders for anybody to come in? They're now doing this for safety? No, they're not. They are going to make your traveling on a plane such a hassle you going over to Europe, so incredibly expensive, so time-consuming, such a hassle that you will give up. And eventually, they will ban it. That's what's really happening here. The vacations are a thing of the past because of global warming. That's not true. It's to decouplize us and degrowth the United States, Europe, and the rest of the world. This is so unbelievable, uh, unbelievably Malthusian. This is, this is a communist tactic. We, wait a minute, you're going to, I have to do what? For every country I'm flying to, I have to what? Well, you can just drive. Oh, well, I can't drive across the ocean. 
you're going to take a vacation on the eastern seaboard if you live in Washington state. No, nope, probably not. This takes us back to the time of about 1960, 1950, 60 or 70. I remember in 1969, I was five years old and I was going to uh, Disneyland. And I remember very little of it, but I remember it from the pictures. We had a dress and a suit. I had a little suit and a little Frank Sinatra kind of hat. And we got dressed up. My sisters wore gloves on the plane because it was so rare. And it was something very, very special. That's what we're going towards. We're going towards you not being able to go anywhere. Now, by the way, all of this, all of this will be purchased through CBDC, a central bank digital currency, not Bitcoin, a central bank digital currency. And if I might remind you what was just played a second ago, the benefits of central bank digital currency is the programmability with expiry dates. That way they can limit less desirable purchases. Notice he said what we deem to be less desirable, like drugs. Well, aren't they now saying that air travel is less desirable? Aren't they now seeding that ground to tell you that beef is less desirable? That the food you eat is less desirable than protein-rich insects the answer to that is yes find out all about it in the book dark future available now our sponsor this half hour is relief factor nancy lives in texas and she has always liked riding horses it was kind of her life's passion but she had to slow down once she began to get a little older she had pain in her joints head to toe over just overbearing she couldn't ride anymore Then she heard on this program about Relief Factor. She decided she'd give it a try. Here's the thing. It actually didn't work for her, at least not overnight. Nancy just didn't give up hope. She kept up with it. After a few weeks, she did begin to notice a difference in the pain levels. And after a month, her pain was nearly gone. Now she rides whenever she feels like it. Nancy got her life back. I got my life back. Will you try to get yours back? It doesn't work for everyone. That's why there's a three-week quick start trial. It's trial pack 1995. Try it for three weeks. 70% of the people go on to order more month after month. It's relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or call 800 the number 4 relief. relieffactor.com. 800 the number 4 relief. relieffactor.com feel the difference. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. I want to talk to you about this degrowth movement that is going on. So if we roll things back uh, to the way things used to be, How many people are going to be happy? Well, they claim that you'll be happy. You'll love it and you won't own anything. 
you may be temporarily happy or maybe you're happy because you're drugged or maybe you're happy because you just live in the metaverse. Um, but I contend you won't be happy generationally um, because the only way to change your station is uh, the American way, which, you know, happened uh, in 1776 and changed the world. It was the only place you could go and and succeed if you weren't from a family uh, of, you know, uh, farmers you, before you couldn't succeed. If you were a farmer, you couldn't own the farm, then own the plant and everything else. You stayed in your station. And that's the way it was always. And the only reason why our parents and grandparents got better is because they could own something. They could own land. They could own property. They could own stock. And those things grew over time and they could change their station. They didn't once poor. You didn't have to stay poor. Well, now we're planning on degrowth. Now, let me just ask you. What was the biggest problem with the coronavirus? What was the who was who was hurt the most? Seven million people died. Yes. Then who was hurt the most? I would say it was the small business. I would say that it was the American way of life, and that is not being told by the federal government what you must and must not do. Uh, and I would say the supply chain. You know, we will never get the supply chain back. There's no way to restart it the way it was. We'll never get it back. And what we had was damn near perfect. It was a pipe dream, I think, in the long run, because they didn't consider disruptions, just like the banks. You know, we're not considering economic collapse. The Central Reserve, they're saying, oh, no, there's no the dollar's not going anywhere. No one will plan for catastrophic collapse. And so they didn't. And there was catastrophic collapse. I believe that was mainly engineered. So that supply chain stopped and it taught us something very valuable. Go local. Why aren't we making more steel today? Why aren't we making the thing? Why isn't Ford when they can't get a part from overseas? Why are they just waiting instead instead of saying, you know what? It's just time to go back to making it ourselves. Because they believe that that's coming back because that's not coming back. It's not coming back. Why is it everything is being dismantled? We're dismantling our energy without replacing it with whatever magic dust we are supposed to have by now. We're destroying everything. I'm going to tomorrow uh, ask James Lindsay to be a part of the uh, part of the program because he just uh, tweeted out something over the weekend degrowth equals neo-communism and they're pushing it right now and he had a cover of monthly review the independent socialist magazine and it has stories in it planned to growth eco-socialism and sustainable human development the eco-socialist mode of cooperation on technology and degrowth democratic planning for degrowth Nine uh, thesis on eco-socialist degrowth. The degrowth is what's happening to us right now. That is truly what is happening. 
And that is intentional. If you couldn't bring the rest of the world up to American standards, what you need to do is bring America down and the West down to everybody else's standard. And if you happen to believe that the West stole everything they have, then it only makes sense that you would want to take their wealth, punish them, because there is no forgiveness in this religion, punish them and take their money and give it to other countries. Now, while we're all we're all realizing that the system is broken. While we all know that 19 out of the 21 pharmaceuticals that we get, the main ingredients that we get are no longer had in America, they're Chinese, that 80, I think it's about 80 percent of all pharmaceuticals come from overseas. Why isn't Pfizer why, why aren't these big American uh, behemoths making new factories here? How come? That would seem logical to me. Why aren't we talking about a national movement to reopen steel mills when most of our steel comes from overseas? Why? Because they are not planning on any growth. Their target is 2 to 3% inflation. 3% inflation. If you have 3% inflation over 10 years, your dollar loses 40% of its value. Wait, in 10 years, everything I've saved loses almost 50% of its value. It's like 38 cents on every dollar. Are you kidding me? And that's acceptable to us? No, they're just counting on you not knowing. Ford reported uh, in March they were going to lose $3 billion on electric cars in 2023. They're now saying it's $4.5 billion they're going to lose. I'm going to talk about this later this week. But why would you do that? As a country, as a company, why would you continue to up the ante when your division is losing $4.5 billion? And it appears as though... Their goal of 2 million annual cars is not going to be reached. In fact, the sales numbers are going down. EV sales for Ford dropped 2.8 for the quarter. Its Mustang went down 21.1%. Its e-transit electric van went down 23.8%. 25%, any reasonable capitalist cuts their losses and says, no, 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 we're not expanding this business. Now, while that is happening, nobody's buying these things. They're wildly expensive. They're more dangerous. And we, we know for a fact we don't have the power grid to supply energy to all of these cars. Connecticut announces that they're joining Rhode Island, Maryland, New Jersey, and New Mexico to adopt tough rules 
to ban the sale of fossil fuel powered vehicles by 2035. So you won't be able to buy anything but a hydro or I mean an electric vehicle by 2035. What is that in the people's best interest? Or is that how you get the zil from the former Soviet Union? You're making cars that no one wants, but you force people to buy them. You know, I said, I think it was in January, uh, the first year we were just finding out about it. It was end of January. I had heard about this pandemic in China in December. We started talking about it uh, January 1st. And by the end of January, I said, don't fear the virus. Don't fear the virus. Fear the effects of this virus. And not life and death. I think that will be the smallest casualty. Turns out, I think that might be true. When we were told billions would die, hundreds of millions would die. No, no, that wasn't true. Billions did not die. But the thing that keeps so many people alive was shut down. And now, before it even can come back, they're talking about doing more damage to it. When you read the book, Dark Future, there is no other conclusion that you can come to other than you are not important to the global elite. If we really would learn our lesson, we, would, we all know, we all know, the solution is deglobalization. Okay? But they're not deglobalizing. They say they're deglobalizing, but they're not. They're just making sure that every single community answers to a global government. So a, a bigger global machine is going to control. And it's going to control all of the big financial firms, all of the big corporations. And it will make sure that you cannot do the things that would keep your local community safe. You don't believe me? Read Dark Future. Or if you want to have a lighter look at it, still the same information. But, I mean, I had to make it funny. Uh, Dark Future, the audio version, both available wherever you buy your books or if you're going to buy a hard copy, may I suggest you try bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is how you can buy this book locally through people who own their own bookstores. Bookshop.org. Back in a minute. You know, the purpose of a parallel economy is... Uh, it's not meant to be something that has to last forever. It's about sending a message to companies that they can't drop the woke, that they can drop the woke, or they can go broke. In the meantime, until they do, we're going to create alternatives for goods and services that don't compromise our values. For a long time, that simply wasn't uh, available to us with mobile phone company space. It took a lot of infrastructure. 
Now that has changed. Everybody can be on the same towers. You rent the tower space and you build your own network. Now, if you have all of the same towers, you're going to have all of the same coverage. So you get the best possible service in your area and you get it at a better price and you get it without the leftist propaganda. I want you to go to patriotmobile.com slash Beck right now. You can also call them at 878-PATRIOT. You'll get free activation today with the offer code Beck. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. You'll get the same dependable service and coverage, and you're going to take a stand for your values and work with people who don't despise you but actually appreciate you. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, Glenn, you were talking about these car companies and why they would make decisions like they seem to be making, entering into expensive unproven technologies that the american consumer doesn't seem to want like electric cars uh, obviously like tesla's made some success there but you know to take a successful product and essentially new coke it right into <laughs> into electric cars is seemingly what these companies are doing and as you were talking about it it's it struck me as like this never-ending cycle right where these companies have problems they go to the government with their handout the government gives them this money and while there might not be a overt string attached to it it's quite clear what is expected once you receive a giant bailout then that you're supposed to listen you're supposed to play play ball with, mm-hmm. with the new policies that the government wants and they want you to go to electric cars and, and if, you know you, you think about the future for a company like ford or gm where if they decided to do what consumers clearly want them to do, which is make really good cars that work on great gas, cars, you know, that's what they want. Yes. Some people and like electric if, cars. If you make a great car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can make a great car that runs on gas or is a hybrid, I'm for it. As long as it's, you know, competitive, yeah, it's good to have those options. But for most people, what they mm-hmm. want are gas powered vehicles right now. And the government is trying to force you into something different. And slowly they're succeeding. And if if these companies decided to do what consumers wanted and provide just gas-powered cars and say, you know what, like let Tesla do the electric thing. They're pretty good at that. People can have that. We're going to do what we do well. Their company in a short time will be destroyed because they will be regulated out of existence. And then when they need the bailout again, they won't be able to get it. Now, this way, they go down the road of building these electric cars, which they know aren't going to sell very well, and they know they're going to lose money on all of them. They know all this, but they also know if they play ball, when they come back to the government with their handout, the government will once again take care of them and push them down this road, which puts us in a position that you've talked about in both The Great Reset and uh, Dark Future, where the government is essentially running these companies. These companies are just Mm -hmm. an arm of government policy and honestly, like uh, it, it makes it into an economy that none of us are familiar with. It's a it's a totally different system of government. Well, I mean, in the old days, we used to call it fascism. 
That is the definition of fascism. Communism, the state takes all of the property and the state runs it. In fascism, they allow uh, private people to own the companies, but the government tells them exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like it, they squeeze them. Yeah, and, and that, you know, that's not, fascism. Not to get too deep into Hitler land here, but a lot of the stuff that these corporations <laughs> did in Nazi Germany was they were things that they believed would please Hitler, right? They, it wasn't even a, a dictate from Hitler himself or the, even the government. It were things that they thought would please him. So they would make these massive moves in terrible, terrible policy mm -hmm. to try to win over his favor. And gosh, are you not seeing that at the companies today in different ways? Yep. And that's how the we Glenn got Beck Fanta. Program. Look it up. I went to uh, my Patriot Supply this weekend. Um, I saw my Red, Red Hawk. You would not believe this facility, Stu. You want to talk about an entrepreneur. This guy, uh, they were overwhelmed by COVID, and they realized they didn't have the truck supply chain was down, The uh, getting the food uh, you know, uh, prepared went down. Everything went down. So they have, I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of square feet he bought up. And I went through it, and you could literally eat off the floor. It was one of the cleanest factories I've ever seen. And I saw the food firsthand that will help you and your family right now. There's all kinds of problems with the food supply that are in the works. I hope it doesn't happen. But prepare yourself, grab yourself a 25% discount on each three-month emergency food kit that you need. It includes breakfast, lunch, dinners, and more. 2,000 calories a day. MyPatriotSupply.com entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenn back program hello america this program this audience never gets the credit for defending those that they disagree with we believe in the bill of rights that all men are created equal and they have certain inalienable rights that no one can change or take away and some of them are outlined in the Bill of Rights. If you agree with the Bill of Rights, then I don't really have a political argument with you, not a real serious one. But if you don't, if you don't believe in the rights of man and that government can't change these rights, well, then we have problems. There's a guy who I bet I don't agree with politically on anything. However, his Bill of Rights rights were violated i think uh because he has been swept up in this this mob of political correctness and he dared move to seattle and then criticize the statue of Lem lenin that they have in the fremont district of seattle it's been there for decades 
was there when I was a kid, and it never made sense to me. Well, it didn't make sense to him either. Unfortunately, he was an editor uh, at the new, uh, at the Seattle Times. He lost his job. We're going to talk to him in 60 seconds. Everybody's feeling the bite of inflation. One of the worst places you feel is when you're making that monthly pre- credit card payment because it just keeps going up. How much are you paying on interest versus the principal right now? Would you love it if you could find a way to not be doing that and paying all that money to the bank? The same bank, most likely, that uh, took all the money and TARP and still is taking money from the Federal Reserve that we dare not talk about. Love to get out from underneath uh, those high interest rates because they're only going to go go up. I don't know if you saw the bond rate, what happened on Friday, but uh, bond and interest rates are directly tied together. And uh, the bond rate went through the roof on Friday. What's going to happen to interest rates? Anybody's guess. Uh, Right now, on average, the people who are looking for a consolidation loan can save about $700 a month. Please call American Financing. Find out if this is right for you. It's not right for everybody. Do your own homework. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing. NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. David Velazco is a journalist, uh, formerly with the New York Times, and I want to just read something that uh, he wrote just last week that I shared with you last week. I was fired from my job at the Seattle Times after defending Hitler. The only problem is I never defended Hitler. In fact, my family was hunted by the Nazis. My grandfather was a Nazi killer who almost later died in a concentration camp. And some of my best journalistic work has been exposing neo-Nazi lies. But if you want to hear a story about intolerance in our country's most tolerant city and the erosion of civil discourse in American life, read on. He moved to Seattle. Um, he's lived all over the world. He has been a journalist that has covered everything, uh, all of these uh, grabs for for power. He was living in Georgia. He was offered a job at the Seattle Times to be an editorial board member and a columnist. He said, I only knew Seattle by reputation. <laughs> The great outdoors of the Pacific Northwest, a vibrant Asian, Asian community, strong Latino community where son or daughter could grow up with Spanish-speaking friends and residents who routinely approve tax hikes to ensure that those in need help receive it. I should mention that our politics fit the bill of Seattle. I'm a democratic socialist and my wife is a DEI trainer. Suffice to say, the city felt like a great fit. I'm sure it did. He thought to himself, what a beautiful new home. How inclusive how tolerant, how naive. He joins me uh, now. David, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You bet. You know, coming on this program is not going to help you with a lot of people <laughs> in Seattle uh, or who, who generally might be on your side, but uh, I don't know if you heard any of the broadcast from last week. Uh, I think that what is happening to you is absolutely un-American. Mm. I mean, um, 
I mean, I, I engage people as far right as you can imagine, as far left as you can imagine. I believe in talking to people. I think that that belief is partly what landed me in this uh, situation I find myself in. I was on Twitter. I was having a conversation. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I've covered I've covered a variety of issues that have had um, communists come after me in the past. Neo-Nazis have come after me in the past. Generally speaking, you ignore these people online. And generally speaking, your bosses don't even care to hear about it. Um, they're trolls on Twitter. Uh, but I wasn't, I was, I was brushing aside the ones who are trolls, the tankies, obviously, that's what you do in these situations. There were a few people who seemed to be to some degree of good faith. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's my Achilles heel. I believe in civil discourse, good faith dialogue. And um, even in listening to your harshest critics to see if they, there's a point to anything that they have to say. And, and that is what I was doing in this situation. I was engaging people who seemed to, I said something on Twitter that was poorly phrased and people were asking me, well, what exactly do you mean by this? Or are you, what are you saying here? Um, and I was responding to them and I was engaging them and people were accusing me of, you know, we can get into it, but people were accusing me of being a Nazi, of, of, of defending Hitler, of supporting Hitler, uh, of of being a Holocaust denier, all of this stuff. I I ignored that, and I tried to focus on people who had who seemed to have genuine questions, uh, who seemed to want to have a conversation. You can't do that any. You can't do that anymore. I don't know where you've been living, David, but uh, <laughs> you know I I have been doing this forever, and I happen to agree with you that um, uh, you know people. Uh, aren't really looking for the truth anymore. And even my harshest critics, I have, I listened to them for quite a long time and really did soul searching. Wait a minute. How can so many people say this about me? What am I doing that maybe is causing this? Um, and so you can clean up what you can clean up that, you know, you're like, okay, I see how they see that, but there's a good portion of America now. And I think more on the left, but some on the right, that just don't care. You're either with them or against them. And, you know, there, there's there's no place for actual Bill of Rights unless you agree with me. And that's death to our republic. Mm, no, I agree. Um, there, there is there, there is a contingent of individuals who. Um, so there was something different about this experience. I noticed in my past with tank, you know, I used to cover China and North Korea and you get tankies coming after you uh, for those who may not know the term you know those are basically communists who who defended the use of soviet tanks in the hungarian revolution these are people who are pro-violence communists basically they're the worst mm -hmm. sort and they're on a lot of them on twitter who knows to what degree they actually believe in in enacting violence but you ignore them and usually their attacks are in the form of you know, they'll look at your account and for instance, mine, I have, um, I have a Ukrainian flag. So they'll say, oh, you know, they'll make some argument about that or they'll look at my last name and or they'll attack me. They, they look at David Joseph and they assume that I'm Jewish. So they'll attack me for that. Things of this nature. It's ad hominem. It's very simplistic. But what was happening and the neo-Nazis that come after me, they do the same thing. But what was happening here was different in that it, there was a lot of attempts to take what I'd said and then warp it and then claim that I was saying <laughs> the opposite. So people mm -hmm. even dug up into my past. They went back years. One individual, a journalist, in fact, found a thread that I'd written, which was basically arguing um, it was a, a, a gay rights argument. 
Um, and they were insinuating that I was homophobic by using. And, I, right. and I'm thinking, well, anybody that clicks on this and reads it is just going to see that you're lying. But of course, many people will not. Nope. Click. They'll just. And um, and this was happening. So there was another example where somebody was, argue, you know, I was going back and forth and somebody said, um, um um, we were having this discussion about, you know, Hitler versus Lenin, Hitler versus Stalin. And somebody said, well, you know, Stalin did a lot of good things. <laughs> and I, and I responded, <laughs> Well, Hitler built the highways. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, no. In fact, in fact, what I responded was really. So Hitler had uh, environmental protection policies and some kind of food aid program for children. So mm-hmm. what? That was my response. People took that response and said, you. look, look, he's, he's defending Hitler. Look at him. He's talking about how Hitler had environmental programs. This guy loves Hitler. That's what they did with that statement. And I'm, I'm like, I finished it with so what? I mean, I, I say, wasn't I clear enough? Obviously not. Uh, I guess I had to write a paragraph afterwards explaining exactly what I meant. But the, the point is, you realize very quickly that there's a, this wasn't your basic ad hominem attack. This was a sort of coordinated effort to, spin everything I said into the most bad faith interpretation you could possibly imagine. I mean, the crux of it comes down to the, the, the statement that I made, which listeners can see if they, if they, if they read the free press essay that I wrote, I quote the full thing, but it was basically saying that I was basically arguing that, um, I believe that in a psychological sense, uh, Lenin, uh, was more evil. He wanted to kill more people. I believe that, more killing is more evil. I clearly said that Hitler was more evil in terms of how many he actually killed. Let's not be confused about that. But I think that psychologically, if Lenin had had the military machinery of, you know, 1920s Russia wasn't 1940s Germany. And if he had had that at his disposal, Correct. who knows what he would have accomplished. Uh, my argument was poorly phrased. I will say that. I wish I had uh, been more careful. But it's tantamount to saying that, you know, if I had said, hey, look, Killing my family, entire family, is worse than killing my sister. This does not mean that I am defending the murder of my sister. It's absurd. This is the logic that people were coming at me with. Oh, oh, you think that killing your whole family is worse than just killing your sister? Then you, you, you are pro-sister killing. This is the, you know, this is this is what was being thrown at me, and and I'm a Nazi now, and I and I uh, I'm pro-Hitler. <laughs> Uh, you know, and the so, thing about this, that oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. I was, I was just going to say another aspect of this was the, the, the point was made to me that, well, look, you can't get into these comparison arguments in the first place. You can't be comparing who was, you know, so I agree that, you, you weren't saying, you weren't defending Adolf Hitler. I mean, my God. But maybe you shouldn't be comparing these things. Nobody, you know, it's a bad idea. And I thought about that. I was like, but there's a rich and very well-respected 70-year tradition of historical scholars doing exactly that. I mean, Hannah Arendt wrote mm-hmm. an entire book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, mm-hmm. is basically all about comparing Hitler and Stalin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yale history professor Timothy Snyder recently wrote an article. Um, I think it was in the New York Review of Books, and the title was Hitler versus Stalin, who was worse. Mm. And I read this mm. article, and his argument is essentially my argument that, but I'm, but I'm saying 
you know, Hitler v. Lenin, not Hitler v. Stalin. And nobody called Correct. him a Nazi. Nobody said, oh, look, Timothy Snyder is defending him. Nobody even thought to make that accusation. So clearly something else is happening here. And I think what and was what happening you, here was What do you think that was? I think you couple things but one of the things i think that, no i'm speculating so for whatever this is worth yeah i know um but um there you know in seattle the political spectrum runs from essentially leninist to democrat the democrats are the right wingers of <laughs> maybe right. that's not <laughs> right true. there's conservatives i think it's, seattle, there but, are some conservatives but i've got family up there you're 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 pretty right Broadly speaking, yeah, so you're right. The as I wrote in my essay, the 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 Seattle Times editorial board is seen as arch conservative, and I think that's an unfair characterization. But that is a perception. I would I had experiences introducing myself to people for an interview or for information on background research, and some of them were they were quite rude because when as soon as they heard i was on the board they were oh oh what are you are you you must be pro-trump and i thought well <laughs> well wait i why would you assume that just because i work just because i'm on the board i thought the board i mean this is a liberal mm. paper this, this is like a very this is like a uh tradition sort of a democratic uh pro-biden i would argue type you know not not a right. pro-trump but that's the anyway that's the perception and so here you, you, you have this contingent of individuals on the left who, um, and they include, includes journalists, who see the board in that way, fairly or unfairly, and um, they have it out for the board, and then they see this journalist who's saying something inflammatory, uh, and there's not really an effort to have a meaningful good mm. faith engagement with this person. It's more just... Oh, there's there's a window of opportunity to attack this entity that we oppose. We can leverage this to go after the board. And I think, I mean, I understand the sort of political machinations there, but um, I think maybe if uh, if if the situation had just been paused for about a week, these these types of Twitter mobs they tend to move on to the next target. Even in my experience, when I've said things and riled up the, right. the pro-North Korean tankies, they come after you, and then they're gone in five days. So, yeah, nobody, not this, honestly, not this one. So, David, hang on just a sec. I, I have to take a quick one-minute break, and then we'll come back. And I, I, I want to talk to you about, so what do you take from all of this? What, what, do you, what do you think the lesson is in all of this? Back in just 60 seconds, first our sponsor, if you wake up every morning with bright eyes and a bushy tail and a spring in your stack, that's fantastic. Uh, you're probably sleeping with my pillow already. Uh, if you, I, I mean, I don't want the bushy tail thing. You should get that checked. But uh, if you'd like a great night's sleep, the MyPillow 20th anniversary is happening right now. Promo code BECK when you get the lowest price ever on a queen-size uh, MyPillow, the regular size or the regular price is uh, $69.98. You're going to get one for $19.98. King size is $10 more. You'll also find deep discounts on other amazing pillow products. So join in the celebration today. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special squares and receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for $19.98 with promo code BECK or 
Call 800-966-3117. 60 day money back guarantee, 10 year warranty. Get quality sleep, mypillow.com or call 800-966-3117. 10 seconds, station ID. David Velasco is a journalist in Seattle. He was just let go by the Seattle Times. And uh, David, I, I have to tell you, I have heard this story uh, from people that, you know, I would deem on the left uh, and sometimes on the far left, but generally not. Um, and I just kind of, I, I just, it's, it's hard to listen to because I'm like, I know, I know. I've been saying this for 20 years, but nobody would listen to me. Um, and then they experience uh, what they experience. And generally speaking, they start to look at things completely differently. What is it that you have learned from this? Well, I, I mean, I've seen these types of experiences play out. Obviously, I'm in the media, so I, I've paid attention to these in the, in the past. And, you know, it runs the gamut from, I guess what you would say, reasonable, quote unquote, cancellation to, you know, you can't even believe that somebody was, was penalized or even lost their job over you know, those examples that just, just boggles the mind. And I suppose mine falls into the latter category. But so I'm not someone who uh, is suddenly waking up and, and like, whoa, this is so unfair right. because now it happened to me. I, I've been thinking that this is a serious problem for some time. Um, but right. I was largely outside of America for the better part of two decades. So kind of looking at it from a distance. And uh, I think the trend that I noticed is, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's really a lot of these examples. Or it's the same, you see the same pattern with a sort of a, a reputable institution caving to what amounts to nothing more really than a Twitter mob. Mob rule. Uh, that sh- mm-hmm. should be ignored. Uh, they should be ignored. They should be relegated to the dark corners of, 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 the, of Twitter, essentially. Um, nobody should pay them any mind, but I see it happening. I see the sensitivities over perceived, you know, um, negative uh, reputational damage get, getting higher and higher. And the funny thing about that is that, you know, these, these groups, for instance, in my case, um, the idea that, that by firing me, perhaps there would be some appeasement of these individuals. These individuals, <laughs> many of them exist. They exist to hate the right. Seattle Times. They're never going. This, right. is the, this is the equivalent of trying Correct. to pet a rabid dog. You're never going to, right. you know, don't do that. Um, yeah. And so I think what I what I feel now or what I felt for a while, but perhaps more more strongly now is. Um, uh, there needs to be, I hope there would be um, a, a, a stronger a, a stiffness in the reaction to this. Uh, just ignore it. Don't react to it. Don't don't throw uh, good journalists to the wolves to lighten your sled, uh, right. essentially. Um, and, and then you see a transition, of I, course. Uh, this plays out many times where these journalists, they, you know, they move over to Substack yeah. or something. I will tell you, David, um, I wish you the best of luck. What I hope comes from this is a strengthening of the spine for the Bill of Rights from all sides. David, uh, thank you so much for being on the program. That was pretty brave of him. Uh, Let me uh, tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Tuttle Twins. So why is Jordan Peterson 
so controversial to some people. His books, his speeches, his advice are timeless, but he's under attack. In fact, he's uh, being told by the Psychiatric Society up in Canada that he has to go through a re-education. Hmm. Well, his real problem is he promotes personal responsibility, and that is something that the writers of the Tuttle Twins books believe they should be teaching uh, in our schools as well. Our, children's, our children need to learn personal responsibility. Pick up a free book this week. It's free this week called The Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp. It's uh, shipping out right now. Your kids and grandkids can be uh, absorbing all of Jordan Peterson's same value, same emphasis on personal responsibility. All you have to do now is get it for free at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Just pay for the shipping. Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp. Available for free now. America has demanded it. It's Stu Does America, the return tonight on Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Just had a guest on uh, who is a Democratic Socialist, um, somebody who was an editorial writer for the Seattle Times, wrote his first article about how outrageous it is that the Fremont section of Seattle would have a statue of Lenin. And, you know, his family is Jewish, was uh, pursued by the Soviets and Lenin. Uh, his father was, uh, or his grandfather, I think, was a Nazi hunter and against the Nazis. And because he came out and said, this guy is a monster, uh, they called him a, a, a Nazi lover, which is so ridiculous. And so he was fired. <laughs> Welcome to Seattle. That's, I think, that, Welcome to Seattle. that's the thing that's changed, right? I, I, it's hard. It was interesting listening to him because I think... Sometimes we have these people on who are maybe a, of the left or you know certainly more left than us and go through one of these experiences and they come on and they somewhat sound like Ronald Reagan like 1986 like they've been had full conversions and they're like <laughs> this is like I right. now I want low taxes too um but like that's yeah. not who Th- this guy this was guy, I, it was interesting to hear him because yeah. he's you know he still believes the things he believes but he's just become victimized by this machine that honestly has largely been built by his side of the argument uh, and it's i think it's really interesting to hear from people like that even if we don't agree with them on a lot of this stuff because you know they're this is not someone who's like friendly to all of our policies these are people who are getting beat over the head by a complete change in our culture that is incredibly unhealthy. So I agree with you. I, I didn't expect him to change his policies. He's a well thought out guy. Uh, yeah. You know, he's been hum- he's been homeless in, I think, Mumbai. Uh, you know, you're homeless in Mumbai. Well, you probably think about things. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's lived all over the world and he has you know, been on the front lines with Ukrainians. Um, and so he's thought about things deeply. And, you know, he says that he is not the kind of democratic socialist that wants to destroy capitalism. He believes in capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. I think he believes in the Bill of Rights. Uh, and, uh, and, and it doesn't matter, though. It really doesn't matter. The one thing he said that I disagreed with him on was, you know, there's the kind of cancel culture that, you know, should happen. And then there's the other kind of cancel. No, I don't think there should be any cancel culture. 
There's no cancel culture. Well, what, what is that? Yeah. You, you can say, I disagree with this person. This person is crazy, dangerous, whatever. But there shouldn't be this machine that kicks in to cancel them for all time. No. Yeah. Um, because if you get it wrong, that's all that's remembered about that individual. You just destroyed that individual forever. Forever. Uh, and that is... I mean, I think that's evil. If you don't like him, don't listen to him, don't support him. You can speak out against it, but the cancel culture? No. Yeah, it's no. weird. I, no, I don't nobody. know what that change is. I mean, I think it's certainly internet related. Like, if you go back in the day, there was always people who had like newsletters sending it to, you know, to people's houses around America that right. had, you know, outlandish views that most of society would not like. And they weren't like, it wasn't like an all-time focus on people to cancel them and punish them beyond the idea that they wouldn't listen to them. They would disprove their ideas. They would show that they were wrong. They would say, hey, this is idiotic. They would not pay attention to them at all. Um, you know, that is, of course, you know, the indifference being almost the worst punishment uh, that you could give someone yeah, looking for attention like that. That was there. Indifference. Mm -hmm is the opposite of love yeah. indifference is not hate not hate um and uh and it's 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 always fascinating uh to me when people think they know what has been going on in the country um and then they realize oh wait that means me too yeah the the, the people who are actually and it's a small number of people but they are they hold power, many of them, uh, and they hold sway in our communities and on social media. And uh, that small number of people create big damage. And you will never be, you know, left enough for them or correct enough for them or environmentally friendly enough. There is nothing but their way. Yeah. And uh, their way keeps getting more and more bizarre and more and more um, anti-human. Yeah, and I'm sorry. It's it's really shocking at the pl in the places it's showing up, right? Like, like there's some logical through line that I don't agree with, but there's a logical through line between okay, these people back in the day used to have their newsletters or whatever. They were really let's take talk about the really outlandish per person, whoever you think that is. And now they have access to the internet and can get mm -hmm. their message to so many more people. That we have to do something. Now, I don't agree with this line of thinking at all, but you can understand how someone could come to this idea. It's too accessible. They're getting too many followers. It's making too much of an impact of our, our society. We have to do something at the level of social media to ban someone who believes in some crazy conspiracy theory or Nazi beliefs or whatever. And again, nope. I don't agree with this at all. I'm, I want the free speech side of this. But like... You can almost understand why it would become an issue today, and it wasn't uh, years and years ago. But in a at a place like the Seattle Times, like th this is these should be the people who are pushing back entirely against this. Especially we we expect it on the right, but especially with someone on the left making a le you know arguments on the left all the time, and now being fired from their job, it just shows how far this has come. 
And there's no coincidence that, you know, he's writing this essay for the free press, which is Barry Weiss's, uh, you know, publication. And she's, you know, I like Barry Weiss a lot. She's great. But she came went through the same thing at the New York Times, where like these organizations that might have leaned liberal, but still always fell back on this. Okay, well, we'll defend these viewpoints, even if uh, because we need that free, you know, free speech, that discussion. At least it was somewhat ingrained in their stated beliefs. Now it's the opposite. I mean, they know this isn't true. They know this guy is not a Nazi. They know that. And they still fired him. I mean, it is a a remarkable change in American culture that we should full, it should have a full-throated rejection by our society, especially in the media. And we're honestly seeing the opposite in the media. We're seeing it from people on the right. We're seeing it from people like Elon Musk at some level. We're seeing it from people... Mm -hmm like Barry Weiss, that have to leave these publications and start their own things just to be able to have Glenn Greenwald. these conversations. Glenn Greenwald mm-hmm. is another one. Yeah, it's sad. It really yeah. is. It's pathetic that, that these institutions have fallen as far as they have. Well, it's, it's not just the institution. The institutions couldn't fall this far if people inside wouldn't go along with it. Yeah. You know, like, like Disney. Is that coming from the top? Or is it just tolerated from the top and now the bottom is absolutely in, cr- in control mm-hmm. and there's nothing the top can do about it? Uh, you know, I wonder, um, you know, you look at the people that the New York Times has hired and it is, you know, what one generation will tolerate, the next will embrace. New York Times tolerated a lot of bullcrap. And once the older generation died out and let go, then the toleration was the top of the line the next generation embraces it and goes full throttle with it yeah i mean that's just where the new york times and all these people are yeah i mean glenn we did a a decade of shows complaining about the new york times and how liberal they were right and we kept we we talked (laughs) about it all the time most of the people making the decisions that we were complaining about being too liberal have all been fired and they've been fired because they made decisions that were too conservative they made decisions yeah. that allowed for free speech and, and just opinions to be printed that were from the other side. Those people have all been blown out now. And it's a whole new crop of people being run by seemingly, I don't know, 23-year-old Twitter users. It really, it's, it be, it's become a complete embarrassment, even to the people that we were complaining about 10 years ago that were too liberal. Those people are embarrassed by it. Most of them have either been fired or quit and started doing something else entirely because they can't get anything done. So I tell you, new brands are being made every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the New York Times uh, was known as, uh, you know, pushing the edge and finding the truth. And, and I don't think any of the generation that's coming up now believes in any of that yeah. uh they don't get their news dead it's dead from the new york times they don't get their news from cnn or fox or anything else and they don't trust those institutions and the same is going to be said i think that the when uh people like zuckerberg got into facebook it appealed to so many people because it was not a giant global corporation. It was started basically like by kids and you had freedom and the older it gets, the more like a old corporation it becomes, the more like that horrible, awful, you know, corporation that nobody wanted anything to do with. 
it's just a matter of time before all of these things are looked at in exactly the same way, if not worse, because I, I don't think there were a lot of companies that were as bad as everyone said they were. You know, maybe some of them were, but I think most of them were trying to just make a profit, listen to their shareholders, yada, yada, yada. Some of them were very bad. Now all of them are painted bad. But these corporations, Nike, uh, uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, any Facebook, Google, any of these brands that were cool, they are not going to be cool. And the swing back on them, I think, is going to be shocking to them, just shocking to them, because they're going to become the man to the new generation. They are the man. And they're worse than the man was, or at least they're worse than the man let on to. You know, if I'm living in the 70s and the 80s, you know, it's the man, man. But the man would never say, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Man never said that. So it allowed people to live in their ignorance, me to live in my ignorance. Oh, yeah, they're not the man. See, they say they're not the man. These guys come out and brag about it. These guys come out and say exactly what they're doing. When the younger generation starts to go, wait a minute, they're the man, man. They're in trouble. They're in real, real trouble. Sponsor this half hour is uh, Patriot. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's not. Sarah, what is our sponsor this half hour? It's Goldline. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story that came out, where was it? Saturday. And it was about our bonds. Our uh, bonds, meaning the bonds that the United States sells so they can print money, we're borrowing money, uh, weren't selling. In fact, people were dumping. And the interest rate on those bonds went through the roof. And that shouldn't have happened because we just raised the interest rates. Why would our bonds uh, need to have even higher interest rates to get people interested? Well, they did. When that happens, that shows you how much trouble our dollar is in. And they're going to have to raise interest rates even more. But they have to print more money because nobody will buy our bonds. It's a death cycle. It is. If you're not looking into gold or silver, please do your homework again. Uh, there is a great piece on their website right now in their weekly market uh, update email. Uh, and if you're not on their email list, you should sign up. It is free. It's an article called uh, No Chance We're Having a Soft Landing. It uh, quotes the former chief uh, North American economist at Merrill Lynch, a guy who knows what he's talking about, indicating there's no way we land softly in the middle of the hardest tightening by the Fed since the Paul Volcker, Volcker years. It's just not going to happen. He said recessions sneak up on you like odorless gas. To be economically defensive, this week, Goldline has a special offer on their historic $5 Gold Liberty and Indian Head coins. With every tube or box of 20 of the $5 Gold Liberty and Indian Head coins you acquire this week, you'll receive five of the one-ounce silver Goldline bars absolutely free. Don't have egg on your face. Don't lose everything. Don't have your, your dollar lose its value underneath its feet. 
Call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I don't know if you know what yellow is, uh, but this is kind of a big deal. This is a trucking company. It was once the largest transporter of goods. It has, uh, it's planning on filing for bankruptcy. It is now shutting down. They have been operating for nearly 100 years. It's been having financial challenges since. Oh, what a surprise. COVID. They have uh, $1.5 billion uh, in debt, a large portion of which came from the $700 million pandemic era government loan. Uh, At the time of the loan, the company was facing charges of defrauding the government by overbilling on shipments to the U.S. military. Uh, Now they just can't get out from Uh, behind the eight ball yellow employed roughly nearly 30,000 people. So they're not going to have jobs, um, but don't worry. Their largest client clients are Walmart, Home Depot uh, and uh, somebody else. But don't worry. I mean, that's not going to I mean, affect the price or delay in things. No, absolutely not. Certainly not. Right. Right, Stu. Right. I mean. No, no big deal. Of course not. And none of this is a big deal. We should never worry about any of it. Uh, This is what I learned over a vacation, Glenn, uh, slash trial. Um, It was a, uh, (laughs) you turn it off a little bit and you realize none of it matters. Everything's going to be fine. Um, Don't worry about any of the problems that we're facing today. Just Mm -hmm. smile. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've heard you can have a weekly or a daily vacation with certain uh, drugs. If you just start taking them, um, all the problems kind of go away, and everything feels just a okay. And so that's a that's a that's strategy fantastic. I'll be pursuing in the future. Okay, that's really fantastic. Thank you for that. Okay, your bet tomorrow morning when we meet, are we going to have something about Devin Archer that is deadly to the Bidens to talk about or not? Uh, safety first. I'm your going bet. to assume good, good things never happen. I'm going to assume the idea is <laughs> not. <laughs> of course not. Uh, you know what? And you're the optimist of the show. Until That's the drugs kick something, in. Then it? I'm fine. <laughs> the Glenn Beck Program.